Searchlight Rainbow Conversations with Tony and Jasper on Bay FM 100.3. Welcome to Searchlight Rainbow Conversations right here on Bay FM 100.3. My name is Tony and I'm joined as always by the wonderful Jazz. Yes, Tony, it's a pleasure to be here tonight for another Rainbow Conversations. And tonight we're celebrating Pride. It's Pride Run right now and Pride events are going on all around the world. Jasper, I think your microphone's actually not working this evening. Isn't we might it? have to jump, jump you on to number two. That's strange. One second, technical difficulties. <laughs> hey, hey, how's that? That's fantastic. That'll be interesting when we have a guest in later on. Oh, well. We'll figure that one out. It's always nice to <laughs> just keep us on our toes. Keep it fresh, keep it local. Exactly. So, um... Thank you. Yeah, uh, it's a pleasure to join you, as always, Tony, for another Rainbow Conversations. And tonight, we're celebrating Pride. It's Pride Month right now, and Pride events are going on all around the world. And we are going to discuss what makes us proud, and look at the different ways people can celebrate Pride. Because it is so incredibly personal on how you celebrate and show your Pride. We are going to talk to some amazing people in the rainbow scene and get a few different perspectives on what Pride means to them. Yes, we have some returning guests tonight, including the lovely Kelsey Doyle and the amazing Robert Cosgrove. And we're going to talk about them, to them about what makes them proud. As well as a dear friend of ours who proudly marched in the 40th Mardi Gras Parade with us, Malika. And our special guest, a Queen's Ball Hall of Fame and five-time Artist of the Year, Mr. Joel Devereaux. And later this month, Brisbane will be holding the 60th Queen's Ball. That is the longest continuous running event of its kind in the world, running for decades before the decriminalisation of homosexuality here in Queensland. And isn't it... Uh, I'm just very proud that the fact that Queensland has the longest running event of that kind. It's really a, a milestone, yeah. And this year, the, it's on this weekend, I believe. I have to check the dates. So I have to move move mm-hmm. across the studio. But it is going to be an absolute triumph um, for, the, for the rainbow community. Yeah, running for 30 years underground. Yes, well, we're going to talk about the history of that mm-hmm. later on. And we're going to share some recent developments about the resurfacing of the original pride flag thought to be long lost to history it's it's turned up and it's been put in a san francisco museum and the story behind that is really quite fascinating and it didn't even have the same number of stripes as what we consider the pride flag today so we're going to talk more about that later that's definitely a high point for me absolutely and as always if you would like to be involved at home with the conversation this evening, please send us a message on the dedicated SMS line that goes directly to the studio, and that number is 0468861003. You can share how you feel pride, stories from pride events, or just comment in on the conversation. That number again is 0468861003, and you can always remain anonymous if you don't want to share your name or details. Yes. And if you're sitting at home and you're thinking, 
I have no idea why gay pride events exist. Why do people gather in these? You know, why do they march? Why do they close the streets? We're going to explain all of that this evening. Mm, it's a rich history and it's um, quite a fascinating topic. Um, definitely um, worth listening tonight. We've got, we've got a few little fun bits and the, the guests we've got are just going to be so interesting. They're brilliant. Mm. They're brilliant. So we're going to get Neil the Technician down from the ceiling um, because he lives continuously up there. Mm-hmm. And um, check some wiring while we're listening to one of the most glorious songs, Carly Minogue. Celebration. And plus, we're going to discuss what pride means to us next up, right here on Rainbow Conversations on Bay FM 100.3. Searchlight Rainbow Conversations with Tony and Jasper on Bay FM 100.3. The heart and soul and pride of the Bay. And tonight's topic of conversation is pride. What is Pride Month? And... We're yes. talking pride. Yes, and we're going to talk about why it is celebrated, how it is celebrated, because it's such a personal and thing. And who it is celebrated by. Well, exactly. Yes. All those. Basically everyone. Well, yeah. Basically. Pretty much. Mm. And after just a f- the last few Rainbow Conversations, it's really nice to have a lighthearted topic. The last few have been really heavy. We've, we've had two episodes of... Very intense subject, so it's just, it's been a bit of a pleasant change for the research for tonight. Because um, pride is a very uplifting subject. Yes. Um, and, you know, it does have its, its dark aspects, but it's definitely been an easier research. Absolutely. And as always, on Rainbow Conversations, we like to just say up front that we are not experts, but we are on a journey of discovery, and we invite you Yes, you, the listener, along for the journey as well. We are extremely proud to be part of the LGBTIQAP plus community. Or for ease of conversation, we just say the rainbow community. But we don't represent all aspects and there's no way that we can represent all opinions of being proud. And we appreciate input from listeners to get a fully diverse view of the rainbow. Yes, the SMS line is open now. And if you'd like to share your pride or comment on the conversation tonight, you can send a message to the SMS line 04688610003 and we can include it in tonight's program. We have actually had one message come through Ooh. already that was it was mildly prompted. I did um, reach out and go, "Hey, send through a message if you would like." to none other than Jane Hopkins, the president of PFLAG Plus Brisbane. The wonderful, the one and only. The, the, the previous guest on the very, or the second Searchlight Rambo Conversations. She was on our mental health Christmas episode. And I did reach out and go, hey, shoot through a message if you want to talk about pride from the perspective of PFLAG. Um And this is what Jane has to say. They say when a child comes out, so do you. You're now part of a global community, the rainbow community. As parents, it's okay to feel doubt, worry, sadness or insecurity during your coming out as a parent. It's important to remember your child will come out many times in their life to different people. They may face discrimination or mistreatment. 
This is why traveling their path with your love and acceptance is so important. You find out as much information as you can to help understand and best support your child. That's where organizations like PFLAG Plus can help. Many parents just find out they need time to adjust to the news and nearly all reach a place of understanding so they can celebrate their extraordinary child with great pride. Happy Pride Month, everyone. Love from Jane, PFLAG Plus Brisbane. That's How beautiful is that? Oh, the lovely Jane Hopkins. And we should say happy Pride Month to happy everyone Pride listening. Um, absolutely. It is... Happy Pride Month. Very, guys. very important. Happy Pride Month. And look... Um, Pride, it's it's a it's a fascinating topic. It is. Um, it's a diverse topic. There's a there's a lot to talk about. And look, one of the you know just an explanation of what pride is um, is interesting. You know, pride involves the exhilarated pleasure or feeling of accomplishment that is related to more positive behaviours and outcomes in an area which the individual is proud. Which obviously very textbook can be applied to a lot of different aspects of pride but it really does work in with the pride we're talking about here tonight yes well i think it's time we share our personal opinions of pride yes um do you want to go first tony oh okay okay so firstly i think i would probably like to separate what i personally see as you know difference between having pride and being proud Both are wonderful, don't get me wrong, not taking anything away from either of them, but any person can be proud about a number of things, whether it's being house proud or being proud that you've stuck to a diet or being proud to be an Australian or being proud of being a Queenslander during the state of origin. But if you're a football fan and you were born in New South Wales, let's face it, you would most likely be cheering on the Blues. Mm-hmm. But having pride in the case that we're talking about, and in my case, having gay pride, it is not about what you have done or where you were born. It's about having pride in yourself, for knowing yourself, to put aside what others expect you to be or expect you to do and rise up and embrace what each of us were born to be. And how do I personally celebrate gay pride or pride in the rainbow community? Well, in several ways, really. But I think of the generations upon generations of people that did not have the privilege to self-express. So I proudly get out there and stand next to others that are proud of their sexuality, that are proud of their identity, because that option was not available for so many years. It is for me still having pride is an act of revolution. The fact that we can express ourselves in public, in groups, and simply celebrate the idea of existing with pride. And I, I don't get me wrong, I don't want to take anything away from someone in the rainbow community that chooses to not attend Pride events. If you want to stay at home and celebrate how you choose to identify, then I am all behind you. 
But as long as you take that moment to see where you were and the amazing person that you are now, then that's great. That's brilliant. That's having pride. And if you are a proud heterosexual and you want to come along and stand next to us at Pride events, then by all means, we would be absolutely thrilled and proud to stand next to you. Yeah, we do need our allies at the Pride events for sure. So Such important. an important, important part. And Pride events are a melting pot. It's not just, oh, it's a gay Pride event, so only gays go. No, that's not the case at all. There's, no, it's Pride is... It's a blanket welcome, statement. Welcome to everyone, yep. Yes. Well, personally, I see Pride as like a butterfly. Oh. Yep. After going through the unpleasantness of the caterpillar stage, you know, represented by bullying, harassment, societal misunderstandings about your sexual orientation, gender diversity or body choices, then you go inwards and look at who you are before bursting out of that chrysalis with pride that only comes from going through the hard times, which brings back to that dictionary definition I had there of a feeling of accomplishment where you've you're feeling pride because it is earned. Now, I've had been asked many times by heterosexual people, why don't we get a straight pride? And my answer to that question, that I'm sure is half asked just in jest, mm-hmm. but that answer has changed since researching this program, especially the first program where we went right in depth into the gay liberation movement. And my answer, you know, answer the question with an a- question, what hardship have you gone through or are still going through to deserve a Pride event? I remember when homosexuality was decriminalised here in Queensland. I was quite young, but it happened in my lifetime. I know how hard the queer generations before me have had to fight to get the rights that I enjoy today. So that's why we need Pride events, to celebrate. So we remember and we keep pushing for that equality. There are people living in countries right now around the world that can't express their true selves for fear of imprisonment or even death. We celebrate pride not just for ourselves, but for everyone who is still have a fight for equality ahead of them, or the young people for visibility so they can see other people like them and know that they're understood and normalising it. Absolutely. And you never know... Like little kids, you don't know what they're going through. You, you know, these 15-year-olds, 40, you don't know their living circumstance. If they walk through a shopping centre and they see two people holding hands and they are drawn to that and they identify with that, you are helping them find their identity. You're helping them rise up to be themselves. Mm. Yep, absolutely. And look, I'm not saying that you can't be proud of being heterosexual. There is even actually a heterosexual pride flag, but we're going to go more about flags later. But the times when different groups have tried to hold straight pride events, they've always been trying to take away from or mock the rainbow pride, and they've not been held by organisations that we want to talk about here. So for me... I'm proud of who I am. I'm proud to honour the legacy of Pride events 
past gone, and the groundwork laid for decades, and the pr- and the proud of all the amazing people who make up this rainbow, and all of the allies that support us. Speaking of allies, yes, there's there's a few we need to mention um, right here. Well, it's something that makes me so proud is Bay FM. Yep. The fact that we have this time on the air to talk about these issues, the fact that we have had nothing but absolute support from everyone in this building. It's, it's really been overwhelming. Um, the fact that we didn't even come up with the idea for this program. No. We just mentioned that there was no rainbow representation in the base or very limited rainbow representation in the base side and Sharon the president went well how about we do a show just you know give you a couple of hours every month where you can just go into those mm-hmm. topics talk about it and look we're not trying to fix every topic we touch on here on rainbow conversations we're trying to get the conversation started or continue previous conversations and we just get the fascinating guests in who know more about these topics than we do so we can all learn and the fact that i was so shocked that having so many brilliant allies surprised me Mm. i have worked in you know several fields with amazing people and i always thought oh you know these are a great bunch of people and then i came here Mm. and to say that I have honestly shed a couple of tears with pride on the way home from a few of the wonderful days here at Bay FM mm. because I have just been so moved by the support, by the allies, by these beautiful humans that are here. I will be eternally grateful. And I feel like I've grown as a person mm. because I've been allowed to yep. here. Absolutely. Well, previously on Searchlight Rainbow Conversations, in fact, the very first episode, we talked about the Stonewall Uprising and the beginning of the gay liberation movement. So we aren't going to go into full details about that again here tonight, but please do go back and listen to the podcast on www.bayfm.org.au if you would like to hear all about that. It was a very emotional um, first episode. It was actually my first time properly speaking on the radio, so you know, it was it was fun. I've actually got the script from that here because I was reading over it before. It was oh, it was the it was memories. A, it was yeah no memories back to last November. Um, But basically, the Stonewall Uprising, or the Stonewall Riots, depending on how you want to talk about them, was the moment when the fight for the rights for the rainbow community took off. And the modern movement. never went back. Before that, it was the the turning point. People had, um, there'd been different attempts at equality rallies before that, but nothing made waves like Stonewall did. That's why it is so important. And that took, and that, that, spawned all the celebrations that we we have today it was is why june is pride month because stonewall riots happened on the 28th of june in 1969 and it was shortly after that that the pride flag was invented before that there was no 
unifying symbol. No symbol at all. In fact, the only symbol used to represent queer, cultural, gay, which used to be an umbrella term for everything, um, and now we say rainbow because there is more representation, it was the pink triangle, which was a throwback or a reclaimed um, symbol that was used by the Nazis to persecute gay men. So it, the, the rainbow flag, which um, came to be invented in 1978 by artist and queer activist Gilbert Baker, um, he created with a cohort of his activists that created two giant rainbow flags as a symbol for the movement. And it was never confirmed, but always accredited to being... Judy Garland's Over the Rainbow song from The Wizard of Oz, which was in itself a huge metaphor, uh, metaphor and, a, and a huge symbol for the gay liberation, which we do speak about in that first episode. But they've made these two giant flags. They were 18 metres by 9 metres, or 60 foot by 30 foot. And Sorry, what were those dimensions again? 18 metres by 9 metres. Giant flags massive flags, two of them. Um, they weren't identical. One, they both had eight stripes. One of them had the imprint of the American flag on it as well. Okay. Now, you might go, but the rainbow flag has six stripes. I was thinking that, yes. That's because when... So they made these two flags as for this um, protest on the first ever San Francisco Pride, which was on that day, it was known as Gay Freedom Day. And they flew these two giant flags, hoisted up, had several people holding the photos. It is absolutely mind-blowing from the, from the late 70s. And they flew them outside San Francisco UN Plaza and near up near City Hall. And they went missing. They went, went to a museum. They ended up going, going missing. Um, and later, um, Baker tried to get the flags made, official flags, through the... the World Flag Making Association, and hot pink was not a colour that was able to be repli- replicated at that time in flags. So they had to drop the they had to drop the hot pink colour. Right. And they couldn't have seven colours then because it made it too hard to have it going multi-directional. So they they oh. dropped dropped the turquoise as well. Okay. And all these colours, do some research. And I think we mentioned on the first episode, they all actually had representation for, for what the, they all meant a certain part of the LGBTQ community. And the flag was meant to be the full spectrum of the LGBTQ community. It seems to these days to only be very limited to being the gay flag. And then there's also a lesbian flag, a trans flag, a bi flag, a pan flag, an intersex flag. Leather flags, oh, they they go on. There's literally hundreds, like it's I said flag before. For the bears. There is a straight yep. flag, like I said. There's, there's all sorts of flags, but this this first flag was made to be um, an, an iconic um, umbrella flag. It ended up getting put into a museum. It got got mouldy and mildewy, and then Gilbert went back and retrieved them and ended up cutting off the damaged portion of. The, the flag that did not have the American flag imprinted on it and took it back to his place in New York. After he died, his possessions got given to his sister and then um, 
Charlie Beale, the president of the Gilbert Baker Foundation, contacted Baker's sister on the eve of the 50th Stonewall anniversary, and she passed along the flag with other um, bits and bobs that ended up getting marched in the Pride Parade in 2019, all the while completely unaware of the history. They thought it was a replica. Right. They didn't realise it was... The, the pride flag, flag. Okay. because there'd been several replicas made for the um, the Harvey Milk movie and another couple of movies where they'd made replica flags for that. But then recently, it got in the possession of um, a historical society who did some f- background fact checking with a flag expert, and, and they found it is it is indeed the original pride flag. So it is now on display. In San Francisco, um, and it's at the GLBT Historical Museum where it can be going to be viewed, and it's going to have going to be toured around. It is, it's basically the 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 rainbow symbol. It is it is sort of a you know borderline a religious icon in a way of its own right. It is it, it's so important. It, it's massive. Even this this one section, which is only about half of it left. It's still huge. So I find that really fascinating. And the fact that that's sort of come out at this time is, um, is really, really massive. And, and when, when did they actually realise it was the original flag? Um, about a year ago. And they've been discussing what to do with it for a full year. That, okay. that it's been, it's been, the, 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 the news only broke um, a couple of months ago that it, they actually had it. Right. Um, and it's only been up display for this Pride Month. Now, Gilbert... Uh, Baker never actually um, patented or trademarked the pride flag. He died poor as can be, despite the fact that millions and millions of dollars were being made using the rainbow flag as an LGBTQ symbol, and it still does. But he he just wanted it to be out there for everyone. That's um, so lovely. So it really it really is an amazing um, amazing story. And yeah, so I, I found that really fascinating because um, you know the flags are an important symbol, and now there's, like we said, so many now. But um, that was the the original flag. That's so interesting. That's fascinating. Now, when I was doing some research, I came across because I I wanted to incorporate. You know, we always want to incorporate as many different people's opinions mm. as pop as possible. Well, you know, we're only two people. We don't have a full view of everything. Exactly. So I came across a couple of clips that are actually from the Human Rights Campaign, the HRC. Oh, yes. They're an advocacy, advocacy group. Advocacy. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> advocacy group. Why can I not say that? Um, and they that group started in 1976, and they have rallied for AIDS research, marriage equality, anti-discrimination acts. They do a lot of really amazing work. Mm-hmm. And so I found a couple of clips from two wonderful women, Evan Rachel Wood, who... Uh, probably a lot of people know from... She's in the current Westworld TV show. Oh, okay, right, right. Um, and she recently came out to the public as a bisexual. And 
I've also got a little clip here from Alexandra Billings, who, if my research is correct, was the... Uh, she's an actress mm-hmm. and was the second woman to ever play a trans woman who was a trans woman. Oh, wow. So let me play these two clips and just the emotion behind it. This is what the pride that we're talking about. This is the emotion that some of us feel when we go to these pride events. It's not just an excuse to get out and have a few drinks in the sun. And, you know, it is so much more than just simply hanging out together Mm. in in public and wearing the rainbow. And so, yeah, let me play this clip. And, oh, please, if you've got thoughts on it, 0468861003. We are taught to respect fear more than ourselves. We've been taught that silence would save us, but it won't. I grew up a tomboy in Raleigh, North Carolina. I spent most of my time trying to be as cool as my two older brothers and running around barefoot. And I was around a very diverse and beautiful group of artists constantly, all races, religions, and sexualities. Things as a child I was completely unaware of. People just were what they are. Growing up, I thought that I was like every other girl who had a slight obsession with Jessica Rabbit. A girl who was more comfortable borrowing her brother's baggy pants and backwards hats than putting on an Easter dress, who would rather play in the mud than in makeup. I didn't realize that there was anything that would have been considered different about me until I was 12 years old. I felt something that I couldn't explain, and it was something that made my throat close up my stomach clench, something that made my mouth go dry and my pulse race. And it was something so simple, yet so terrifying. I thought women were beautiful. I had always thought women were beautiful. But because I was born that way, I never once stopped to think that that was strange or anything to fear. Later in life, as a teenager who had bore witness to hate speech and taunting of the LGBT community, I instinctually buried those feelings. I silenced my voice because I thought it would save me. On top of that, there were inconsistencies to my feelings because I also thought that men were beautiful. And I had no way to put what I felt into words. So the only thing that I knew was fear and confusion and loneliness. How can you be who you are when you don't understand what you're feeling? There was shame about what I felt and how I identified a person suffering as similar to gas. If any amount of gas is pumped into an empty chamber, it will fill it completely, no matter how big the chamber. Suffering completely fills the human soul and conscious mind, whether the suffering is great or little. Therefore, the size of human suffering is irrelevant. There was a time, despite what it may have looked like on the surface, that the fear had gripped me so tight, and I felt broken and unlovable, and I did not think that I would see tomorrow. But because of the voices I had listened to, 
because of the people I identified with, the films I had watched, the music I had heard, because of words like bisexual and the doors that it opened, I'm still here. Visibility creates hope. Words matter. Your voice matters. How you use it matters and why you use it matters. To be nobody but yourself in a world that is doing its best to make you somebody else is to fight the hardest battle you are ever going to fight. Never stop fighting. Thank you. I'm 56 years old. I'm a mixed race trans woman. I've been living with AIDS since 1985. I remember everything. For me, in order for us to rise, we have to help each other off the ground. And I was trying to figure out how to do that. I was a teenager in the 70s. I was walking, there was in Chicago, I was walking down the street, and I was in my little, so I transitioned in, I began my transition in 1980, when it was not only unheard of, it was also illegal. And I mean, truly illegal. You could not do what I was doing. You could get thrown in jail. So I was walking, which I didn't know. I was walking across the street in my little white sundress with my little sunshine shoes on. And I'm walking down the street, and I was walking. I wasn't working. I was walking down the street. <laughs> and this policeman drove by, stopped, made a U-turn, came back, got out of the car, threw me against the car, and handcuffed me. And I said, what happened? And he said, you cannot walk around the state of Illinois dressed like that. And I said, I don't understand what you mean. And he said, you must have two articles of male clothing on at all times. And I thought, you mean like tube socks? I don't know <laughs> what that means. So I remember a time when the revolutionary act was to walk out my front door. And I come from an entire group of people an entire tribe of human beings that showed me the way. Someone was there to hold out their hand and pick me up off the ground. And when I was diagnosed, there was no hope. My doctor said to me, I think what you should do is take your credit card and max it out because you probably won't be around to pay the bill. And my wife, because she was standing by my side at the time of my diagnosis, she turned to my doctor and she said, oh, she's gonna be around. But I had someone to reach across hold my hand and pick me up. I had someone to help me off the ground. Here's my question. How many of you reach across the aisle to a community in the LGBTQIA community that you don't know? How many men are reaching across to women and helping them with the Me Too movement? How many cisgender Females are helping genderqueer, genderfluid, and gender-questioning youth. How many transgender friends do you have? Friends, not people you know. How are you actually helping? What are you doing? We've got two jobs. The first job is internal. You've got to figure out what you're not doing for your brother and your sister and the other human beings in the LGBTQIA community. What you are not doing, what you're not involved in. I don't mean writing a check. I don't care about these checks. I want you to do something else. I want you to get on the phone. I want you to get on a march. I want you to get on a platform. I want you to write a speech. I want you to talk to your neighbor. I want you to do something active. Start a movement. Help each other out.
And then we've got to go outside. You have got to figure out a way how to hold out your hand to the person who needs it the most and help them off the ground. Otherwise, no one will rise. Reach out to the people you don't know. Find the unfamiliar. Hold out your hand. Pull them off the ground. And I guarantee you, all of us, together as humanity, will rise up. How amazing was that? That was, um, yeah, very intense. And as Evan Rachel Wood said, fear and shame have way too much power in society. Mm. So it is so important to have pride and show pride Mm. because it's contagious. Yeah. If you talk about pride and you act with pride... It's contagious. It gives other people the moment of courage to be proud for themselves. So important. Mm. Pride events are so important. Having pride is so important. So I just wanted to share those little No, they're, they're really beautiful. Thanks for putting them together, Tony. So, Tony, what was the first pride event you ever went to? Um... Uh... I don't know. Maybe. Was, it, was it the Mardi Gras that we went to? Had you been to anything before that? Uh, I did go to a Mardi Gras before that. I didn't march oh. in it. Um, Lily Tomlin opened that Mardi Gras that I went to. Um, that's when I found out Lily Tomlin was a lesbian when she went past in an enormous rainbow cape. And I went, I'm standing there pointing at Lily Tomlin going, well, what's she doing here? And someone leaned across, a complete stranger just went, She's a massive lesbian icon. And I went, oh, okay. Think the things you learn at Mardi Gras. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'm, oh. And I'm, uh, possibly I went to one before that, but not off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Well, I yeah. went to my first Mardi Gras when I was seven. Okay, well, you win. So, yeah, well, it wasn't a competition. <laughs> <laughs> but it was fun. I had no quite idea what was going on, but um, it was just a big parade. It was just a good time. Yeah. And that's what it is with yeah. Italy. And look, I do, I do, Mardi Gras is such a fantastic um, pride event that Mardi, the, the, you know, the term Mardi Gras has been around long before the Sydney Mardi Gras. But now when you say Mardi Gras, most people do not think you're going to Rio and getting beads. They think you're going to Sydney and... Wearing glitter. Absolutely. It's just the fact that it's like seeped into culture that much. It is so iconic. Um, and Australia should be proud of that. Super proud. It, it brings in tourism more when it can. Um, and the fact that even 2020 and 2021 Pride event went ahead. Like Things like Blues Fest couldn't for the timing. And Mardi Gras just steamrolled. We're going to work around it. Mm. And we did speak of that, that in, in previous Searchlights where it started as a rally and now it's mm-hmm. this Pride event. So, um, And Robert well Cosgrove mentions that in uh, the next interview, actually. Yes. Well, it um, might be a good time we can, we can introduce. Mm-hmm. Well, Robert Cosgrove, if you don't know of him, he is an absolute... The leopard print legend. The leopard print legend of the Brisbane queer community. He has been to so many events, so many 
meetings. He was in the room when the Queensland AIDS Council was put together. Mm, we spoke to him in the episode HIV episode. With the HIV episode, and he was he was there at the foundation of the Queensland AIDS mm. Council. He's been um, there at the foundation of many important things. He's he's a a legend and. He, his name is Robert Cosgrove, but he's often referred to as Nana. So many of us call him Nana, um, yes. And so, yeah, that's that's it's, it's quite adorable. But, mm. um, yeah, so that interview is coming up next. Do we have a song break first, Tony? Absolutely. We've got Aretha Franklin. Fantastic. With a great track called A Deeper Love, which, you know, is a great name, but so many of us just... Call this song Pride. Hmm. So that's coming up next, as well as the fascinating interview that you did with Mr. Robert Cosgrove, or as some of us call him, Nana. Searchlight on Bay FM 100.3. Connect with us by SMS on 0468 86 1003. And we're back with Robert Cosgrove, and we're talking about Pride Month, which is the topic of the episode tonight. So there's Sydney Mardi Gras, Brisbane Pride festivals, there's Broome Pride, Pride in is it Dalesford. So there's, there's all sorts of prides. Tell me about your first ever Pride experience that you had, Robert. Mardi Gras would be my first, and my first Mardi Gras was in 1984. And to this day, I still think that it's the feeling on the street that you just can't recapture. Mm. So coming from Brisbane, where it was still a criminal offence to be homosexual, I went to Sydney and that was probably when I really felt somewhere where I belonged. So when you were on the street and the parade went by and, yep, like I say, you you just can't recapture that feeling that is on the street with Mardi Gras. Uh, and, and I think I became addicted to Mardi Gras after that because I went to 17 consecutive ones. The next one that I went to, so that, that wasn't um, as big. That was, so it started in 78, so that would have been, what, the seventh one. I, th- I think about the first four were actually um, protest marches. The first one was the one that ended in violence um, and, and then it grew into the parade and, you know, now I think the whole thing has become a little bit too commercial. The good thing about it then was that it was actually a political statement and it was... It was an opportunity for the gay community to just have a swipe back at politicians and and everything that was going on, and that was what um, the floats depicted. Um, they had, you know, the effigies of of Pauline Hanson and and people that were opposed to the gay community and that type of thing. Uh, so it, yeah, it was an expression. It was it was. Um, a, a way of, of us having our say about what was going on in the broader community and that type of thing. Uh, the second time that I went was when we were still having a lot of problems here. In fact, they had introduced a bill, Joe had introduced a bill called the Sexual Deviance Act, and it became 
illegal for licensed premises to serve um, the people that were affected by AIDS, basically, homosexuals, prostitutes and IV drug users. I don't think anyone was ever refused service on that basis. I don't think that any uh, establishment was ever fined for doing that. It was just a reason, a way for the, the police to, be, to do more bashing. So um, at that time, the Hacienda Hotel was the gay venue and people were being um, strip-searched on the footpath outside the Hacienda Hotel. So again, you know, you got this sense of community that you didn't leave by yourself and, and even if you were someone that was just going and getting, going to get into a cab by yourself, you still didn't leave by yourself. So it was even, the, 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 there were two guys who ran the place and if you were about to walk out the door by yourself, they'd go, what are you doing? No, you can't do that. And they would arrange for someone to escort you down to the cab and, and that type of thing. So, um, yeah, it just, the Sexual Deviant Act just gave the police more powers. And um, so I was actually on a float that year that was a protest float about um, the Sexual Deviant Act. And it just said something like, you know, that we were protesting about that and we were a bunch of proud gay poofters from Brisbane. But I can remember there was a moment in the parade in Sydney and so because of the, the, the way that it was here, um, even being in Sydney, you were afraid of the police. You know, that there was always that thing here when you were out um, even in the daytime and you saw police, you'd, you'd just kind of, you know, you'd hold your breath. It'd be like, oh, God, what's going to happen? And, yeah, you know, it, it used to happen often, particularly for someone like me that was obviously gay. They would just pull you over and question you just, just, just to harass you. So there was this moment at the end of the parade, so being on a float, and, and our float was towards the end of the parade, um, there was this moment at the end of the parade where police were standing on the sidelines of the parade and started rushing in towards the crowd. And it was that moment, the same as I just said, you know, you would, you'd hold your breath. So I just hold, held my breath and I won't say the word, but I went, F, what's going to happen here? But what the police were doing was clearing away the crowd because the street had been closed off for the parade, so they had to clear all the spectators off the of the street so that it could become... so the traffic could start again. So it, it was actually the police doing their job of just clear, clearing the, the crowd away, and yet there was this moment where I just thought, oh, no, no there's, there's just going to be police brutality left, right and centre here. Um, and, and, and it was just amazing to see to, to, for that to happen. So, yeah. So what was the difference over Mardi Gras from 84 through to, sorry, 17 years later? It just kept getting bigger. It, it, this was a thing that the people that I used to go with, there was a pretty regular crowd that I used to go with, and... At the end of each one, we would just go, it just can't possibly get any bigger. And yet every year it would. 
And, you know, so the, the, the big thing was, apart from the parade, was the party that they used to have at the showgrounds. They used to sell 10,000 tickets, I think it was. However, all of the people that were in the parade were allowed into the showgrounds. Um, all of the volunteers who were the marshals in the parade were allowed into the showgrounds. So the, the party crowd was probably closer to about 40,000. It was just massive. And... They used to have, well, they just had the big names. The, the, the first entertainer that they had um, as a big name was Sylvester. That song, I think in the song Born to Be Alive. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, he was the first overseas big name act that they ever had. And I believe, again, don't quote me, I think Sylvester um, went on to die from AIDS. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was actually at the 20th Mardi Gras where they did um, a retrospective and and that was a bit controversial because um, Jimmy Barnes performed Born to Be Alive. Now, I thought that was great that someone like Jimmy Barnes who was, you know, sort of the all-Australian heterosexual, you know, pub band icon that he would even choose to do a show, like he was invited, but, you know, he chose to accept the invitation. Um, The show was fantastic. He had his hair done blue and he was um, surrounded, all all of his backup dancers were dressed in leather and he was dressed in leather. Um, So I thought the whole, that was very appropriate but there was a bit of a backlash from the gay community. There's always someone that wants to find something to complain about, and so that was the thing that they complained about that. Um, but that was also the first Mardi Gras that Kylie performed at. So over the years, I won't be able to remember all of the big names that I saw, but um, there was Tina Arena, Marsha Hines, just mentioned Jimmy Barnes, Kylie... Um, oh, Jimmy Somerville from um, um, Bronsky Beach. Um, Boy George. Um, yeah, look, I won't be able to remember all of them. But the, the great thing, and, and probably the one that stands out in my mind the most, so the thing at the parties and the shows was that you would never know when there was going to be a show that was on. And... The big thing in those days was that the guests, you know, the big name, so the, 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 it was the buzz around town that Kylie was going to perform the year that Kylie performed. But every year there would be a buzz around town. And, of course, it would depend on who the overseas acts were that were actually in Australia at that time. So there would be all this speculation beforehand, like, oh, we think so-and-so. And And then, you know, after you went for a few years, you got to know a few people and and people would say, you know, so-and-so is definitely performing this year and so on and so forth. Um, But it was always kept a secret. And, and, uh, and, And that was great because... You, you, you often you expected someone else and someone else would come on and it might be someone that you might have been slightly disappointed that it was them and not the other person, but it was still great that it was a surprise. Whereas, you know, Sher that was here for the 40th anniversary, 
um, there was all the buzz that Cher was going to be performing at the party at Mardi Gras. Um, so that's something that has changed that I think is a shame. Uh, but the one show that really stands out, and it didn't involve a big name at all, was, look, I suppose queens still do this these days. They have a song that, you know, when they're out, it's sort of like that's their song of the moment. And so when they hear that in a club, they rush to the dance floor and all that sort of thing. So I always had a song, a current song, and even um, different people that I knew in Brisbane that wouldn't be going to Mardi Gras, they would say, oh, when such and such comes on, will you dance to that for me? And so that, this was a big thing, you know. It was a dance party, so it was all about the dancing and the music and that sort of thing. So my big song at the time was Chain Reaction by Diana Ross. And so that was my thing. Like, you know, I, when they play Chain Reaction tonight, I'm going to rush onto the dance floor. And, you know, it starts off with that really um, identifiable beat, you know, boom, 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 boom. So I heard that rushed onto the dance floor and then all of a sudden I realised that the people around me weren't dancing. They'd all stopped dancing and they were looking at something. So this would have been, it was the 10th anniversary, so it would have been 88. So um, it turned out that, so in uh, only just recently I saw on Rage the video clip and it, and it all kind of came back to me. In the video clip, Diana Ross, and she has a hair natural. In, in the video clip, she's actually wearing different wigs. There's different scenes in it. And some of it's in black and white and some of it's in colour. And this is actually her with her own hair. And her hair is, you know, really, really long. And she's wearing this red evening gown that's got like, kind of like a, a... I think it's called a fishtail around the bottom. And... So, you know, with the different beats of that song, the way that it goes through the different beats and that sort of thing. So there were sort of these, I suppose, perspex screens, whatever the screen was. So it started off with one Diana Ross drag queen and then the beat would change and the screen would turn and another identical Diana Ross drag queen would come out. So same hair, like same wig, same dress, and then... The third one would come out and the, and so the thing that I didn't realise was so I was just looking at one end of the auditorium, you know, that was the Hall of Industry, so it's, you know, it's at the showground, like the, um, the pavilions at the showground. So I'm just standing looking at one end and so it ended up that there were five identical drag queens, like dressed identically, you know, moving the same. It was all just choreographed so well and all that sort of thing. My mind was blown because that was the song I wanted to hear and there were these five drag queens doing this Diana Ross thing. And it wasn't until hours afterwards that I bumped into someone and I said, did you see the show with Chain Reaction and the five Diana Ross drag queens? And they went, well, yeah, if you'd actually turned around and looked at the other end of the pavilion, there were another five down the other end. So to this day, I still regret that I never turned around. It's one of those things that... And, and of course, you know, I should have... Well, it's only now that I realise that I should have known that it was the 10th Mardi Gras and so there were 10 uh, Diana Ross drag queens. Brisbane Pride. When, when did you first go to a Brisbane Pride? Um, there aren't many that I've missed... Probably the thing that I do miss is that they don't have the dance parties afterwards. 
there's always a venue now that has the after party and that type of thing. Mm. I think in the early stages of Pride, and, and, you know, someone can correct me if I'm wrong here, I think they always used to have a dance party beforehand and that was a bit of a fundraiser to kick off um, the Pride Fair and the Pride March. So, And they used to be at the Blind Hall at um, South Brisbane. Oh, okay, right. Um, I think most of them were there. There might have been another venue that they moved to at some point, but in the early days, um, that's where they used to be. Um, One interesting thing I could tell you about that was there was a client whose son was only... He was underage, anyway. He would have been maybe 17, 16, 17, and he wanted to go to the Pride party. So she asked me if I would take him to the Pride party. Which, you know, I probably wasn't the most responsible person to be asked such a thing. It's a bit the same, you know, I think, you know, clearly I've influenced you in some way when you were growing up. But I always thought that I was the person that could be looked to as the bad influence, that, you know, kind of like, don't do what he's doing and (laughs) things will turn out fine. So I didn't think that I was the wisest choice for someone to ask to chaperone their 16, 17-year-old son to the Pride dance party. But there, you know, I did. So that was where my responsibility ended. I got him there. She, She brought him to my place. We went over to other friends' place and sort of, you know, did our getting ready and all that sort of thing and then sort of went to the party. So she was picking him up at midnight. So when we got to the party, I said, look, you don't want to be hanging around with me all night. The truth was I didn't particularly want to have him hanging on to my shirt tails the entire night. So I said, look, you know, you don't really want to be hanging around with me all night, but, you know, we'll be around here, like around the bar area or on the dance floor or something like that. So you make sure you're back here by a quarter to 12 so I can walk you out and, you know, your mum will be there waiting at midnight for you. So, and I had told the friends that I was with, there were about half a dozen of us that went together, so I'd said to them, you know, you better keep your eye out and all that type of thing. So it got to quarter to 12 and, and he was nowhere in sight. And, and so there was this panic, like, you know, again, that F word, where is he? And so the six of us went on this hunt around the 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 blind hall, try, and it wasn't a big venue, so you wouldn't have thought it was too hard to find him. Anyway, all six of us went on this hunt. Um, one of my friends found him. He was on the, gl- the grass outside snogging some guy. And so he just went out and kind of reefed him up by the neck and he said, you know, it's midnight, your mother's here, we've got to go and grab Robert now and, and you know, you've got to go outside. So that was it. And so we walked him out and, you know, sort of got him to his mother and all that type of thing, and she was happy. Um, But it was interesting because my friend turned to me, the one that had found him stogging this guy, he says, I don't know, how's his form, his first party, and he's on the grass stogging some guy, and I'm just on the dance floor. (laughs) This is Nana here. You'll probably recognise my voice. And, you know, you've been listening to me before, but now you're listening to Searchlight Rainbow Conversations. Searchlight Rainbow Conversations with Tony and Jasper on Bay FM 100.3. You're on Searchlight Rainbow Conversations and 
Tonight we're talking about Pride. It's Pride Month and we're going into all aspects of it. We have our next guest with us for this evening. We have the lovely Kelsey Doyle. Welcome back to the program. You were, um, joined us earlier in the year with our episode on coming out, which was that was a great lovely episode. Lovely to have oh, you in for Fabulous. That. It was a great episode to be a part of. Yeah. Yeah, you always seem to get the light ones. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's great. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of conversations to be had here. Um, well, look, even though you have been on before, we do the question we love to start with all of our guests is how do you identify? Um, I am a gay Aboriginal man. My pronouns are he, him. Yeah. Nice and easy. It's um, it's it's a a funny thing when we like boil down people to like how how what boxes do you tick? And it's a strange um, strange way. Some people we've interviewed and they go, well, I, I don't want to talk about that. I'm like, cool, that's great. Mm. Let's you know we we love people being comfortable. So um, and I guess for me it, it's interesting having you identifying as not just part of the rainbow, but being Indigenous mm. Australian, you really cop a bunch of different stuff than what we would. Um, and on the topic of pride, it's an interesting way to look at how you'd have, obviously, pride for your sexual orientation, but then pride in your cultural background as well. How how do those two play in to each other for you? Um, I can't even... I'm sure I would have said it on the last one, but I remember, like, growing up, it was very much, like... There's Aboriginal and then there's gay and there was no sort of intersection mm. between the two and it wasn't until like going to Brisbane Pride and seeing seeing those two things intersect and seeing Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders at the front of the at the front of the march was like, Oh, okay, these things do align here. There is that intersection here and there's actually a lot of strength in that that intersection. Um, and it's just been, you know, an absolute pleasure exploring that um, and how those two things intersect and support the community and being visible um, for other um, queer Aboriginal people. Brilliant. And it was the photo that we've uh, using on the Rainbow Conversations Instagram. If you want to follow us, please feel free. <laughs> Um, was that taken at the Pride March? It sure was. Have that you? was uh, 2019 because we uh, didn't get to do it last year. So 2019, that was uh, at the front of the Pride Parade, me holding the Aboriginal flag. Yeah. What a moment. It is a, a moment I take great pride in. Um, and, you know, it's the second time that I'd actually done it. And so to be asked again to do it was kind of like, okay, I'm, I'm visible. I'm really out here leading it. And sort of um, the best part was seeing like other people. And I remember there was like a, um, one of the aunties was just like taking photos and she's like, Oh, proud of your bub. And it was that kind of like, I'm here. People can see me. Um, And you can't miss me. Like I was wearing a fluoro, fluoro (laughs) overalls. (laughs) Glorious fluoro overalls, I believe is the correct. Yes. They were bright. Yeah. Not subtle, which is the point of Pride mm. Parade. You don't you don't go for subtlety. It's not it's not the agenda for a, a Pride event. It's loud. Um, well, yeah. Mm. When you look at what we wore mm. in the 40th Mardi Gras march, it was pretty tame compared to a lot of what was going on there. You know? Well, little, we were in little, kilts, little rainbow kilts. Not that, much else. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> it was some blue glitter. Um, <laughs> so, what what gives you pride? What it, what it what are you 
proud in? What? How would you define your pride? Um, I think pride is um, visibility. It's it's strength. It's you know I draw um, my strength from my ancestors, the people that have gone before me. Um, you know I stand on the shoulders of um, a lot of oppression. Um, and stand in a position that I think a lot of those past, both Aboriginal or queer people, probably didn't expect, um, at least, you know, where we are at this stage, I think. Um, I take a lot of pride in that and being in a position where um, I have the ability to be outspoken um, and stand up for things um, and actually be visible. Yes, Mm. Um, it's important. Yeah, it's that's that's what pride is to me. Is that being visible, being um, being able to look back and see how far we've come. And yes, we've got a long way to go. We're nowhere near done, but we are. You know, we have come a long way. And I do. That's you know, that's why we celebrate pride to acknowledge the steps we've taken every year. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, when you look at the 78ers when they marched still Mm. in Mardi Gras where that parade in 78 did not end well. Mm. Well, it wasn't a parade. It was a protest. It was a protest. And now when they march and there are tens of thousands Mm. of people lining the street and police are marching alongside Mm. them, proud to be alongside them. Well, like what Robert was saying. Yes, absolutely. Mm. It's, it's such a beautiful thing to see. But when I went, when we went to um, the Brisbane Pride Festival last November, yeah, I was overwhelmed at how much representation there was by the police force from the the federal mm. police, the Queensland police, mm. the ambulance. There was everything, yeah. everything from the free mum hugs to the mental health booths to the COVID safe free mum hugs. Mm. Absolutely. There was two big pool noodles that they yes, reached I think, around. Um, so one of the, the free mum hugs was coming from someone who was uh, my old library teacher from high school. Oh, wow. Um, and so it's an absolute pleasure. I actually didn't get to see her there that day, but I'd sent her a message afterwards because I've seen, I'd seen all, she's posting all the photos and I was like, oh my God, I like, she was it. my primary library teacher. <laughs> I know her. Brilliant. Yeah, the people you run into pride events are... It's always quite gorgeous, isn't it? It is. A a melting pot. And so, Kelsey, you spoke last time you were here about the absolute joy of being able to lead that pride, Mm. which I I think you said was spontaneous. That wasn't planned. The first time was very much spontaneous. It was I happened to be there. Um, One of those things, fly by the seat of your pants, whatever the saying is. That one, yeah. And it wasn't going to plan. They'd put the flag on upside down on the pole and we were like, oh no, quickly take it off. And we didn't have anything to put it back on um, the flagpole. And so they just said, uh, one of my friends who I was just, who had come along to Pride with me was like, oh, why don't you wear it Kathy Freeman style? And I was, and I was like, oh, ha, ha, ha. And then, uh, I don't, I think it was either Beck or Tanya were like, well, do you want to? And I was like, all right, let's do it. And so then there it was. It was me at the front dancing down. Um, and that's why they were like, you know, it was really amazing to see that. And then the next year they were like, that's, this is, this is your job now. Cool. And was that the best moment you've had in a Pride event or has there been other other things that have been able to top something as awesome as that? 
I I think that is probably my favorite memory and I mean apart from going to my first pride and seeing aboriginal presence there mm-hmm. um to going from that to then being the person at the front huge leap didn't think it would happen <laughs> but um you know it's something I definitely do not regret and I'm so privileged to have that sort of position sounds like an absolute treat absolutely and we had a great proud moment at the brisbane pride festival when um a teacher from the redlands came up to us and said oh are you tony and jasper from rainbow conversations and we went yes and she had two little kids with her and she was a teacher and she just thanked us so much for what we were doing and how we were doing it and giving respect to the topics and and just for the for the kids to hear the, the rainbow kids yeah. to hear that on the radio mm. just meant the world for them and that's and these little kids were like head to toe rainbow beautiful to see and they were just like they were just looking at us with amazement and i went oh my goodness this is such a weird full circle moment and we had only done one episode of Searchlight yeah. at that stage. That was one. <laughs> yeah. It was like, oh. Um, which was a big one. We talked about the entire history of the... the um, it was a lot. Yeah. The, the, the movement, um, which, which was, yeah, huge. Um, but like we said, not covering all of that tonight because that's, you know, I'm not going to rehash mm. it. No. Um, well, there's just... There's so many different things happening at the moment. We're going to do the Rainbow Roundup at the end and talk about all the different Pride events. Um, but one of the things I've come across today, there's a service station across the road from us where I go buy milk, was it's the closest. And I noticed a little badge on the front door, a um, little rainbow teardrop, upside-down teardrop shape. I don't know if you've seen them around. Um, and it's called the Welcome Here Project. Um, and do you remember back in the... You're probably too young, Kelsey, but do you remember back in the, the 90s they had the safe space yes. signs? So you could go, you know, you know places were safe. And that was basically because the LGBTQ communities were experiencing violence and higher rates of... Um, higher rates in the general community. And so it was a way to have, have spa- safe spaces. And they're sort of reinventing that, relaunching it um, with the Welcome Here project. So these, they're these rainbow um, markers at a front door that um, different businesses have to let you know they're, they're all-inclusive and that they're all about the LGBTQ plus community. So um, if you want more information, it's... The Pride Inclusion Programs.com.au, and you can go and find out places that are um, displaying these signs and how you can get your business or a business you know um, included. I think we're going to hit up the, uh, the big boss here and see if we can get a sticker on the front door because that'll be great because we are ticking all the boxes, I believe. Um, yes. There, there, there's a checklist of things you have to have to do, which I didn't actually print out in front of me, so I don't know why I'm looking for it. <laughs> <laughs> now, for someone who doesn't know anything about Pride events, mm. I often relate it, and I did before in the beginning, to sport. It's different having Pride in the community mm. 
and that sort of pride to being proud to be a Queenslander at State of Origin. You're a sports person. Yeah. You're the sport. So you're going to be the sports <laughs> yeah. expert for this evening. How do you describe the difference between, you know, a pride in a sports team and being proud within yourself? Um, I think. Obviously, there's strength that comes with both, but I think when you look at pride within sport, you've got pride because um, you're winning a game or your team's winning a game. Um, When you've got pride in yourself and pride in your culture, your identity, it's like being proud to be alive. Do you know what I mean? Like it's yes. pride to be alive and to be able to exist in a space that, again, as I've talked about, we weren't allowed to exist in. Yeah. It's pride in existence. Oh, that's the best way to describe it. Thank you. I I thought, oh, I can't work out the wording mm. of this because I'm not a sports mm. person. Not to yuck anyone's yeah. yum, but, you know, I just, I knew if I attempted yeah. that, it wasn't going to go well. Thank you so much. Mm. That was very well put. <laughs> very well put. Oh, goodness. Because I thought, oh, I'm going to... Mm. And, and I can talk about nerd pride because when I go to Comic-Cons... That's basically a pride event. Yeah. It's a pride yeah. event. You get to wear what you want. You rock that with the pride that you have. And it's it's a pride event. And... You know, the the only thing, because the state of origin's mm. on at the moment, I thought, oh, there's an analogy there and I just can't get it. Thank I, you. I guess the small things that happen regularly are pride events, like, you know, every Wednesday at the Wickham with Volley, that's mm. Volley the Vaughn and Friends. That, that's, yeah. a, that's a pride event in its own right. There's um, so many things that happen constantly. That, every Sunday mm. night at Cloudland. Cloud, the, the fluffy, fluffy yeah. that's, that's, that it's is a, a pride event. It, it, it is. It is, yeah. Celebrating 20 years yeah. next month. Yeah. Um, so pride has such a diverse range of what you can, how you yeah. can celebrate and what you can class it as. Mm. What are some of your favourite pride events? Um, I obviously enjoy going to um, Brisbane Pride every year. That's probably one of my favourites because it's with my people. It's the people I grew up with. It's the people that have that experience because we all know Brisbane. It's the local. It's the local mm. people. And I'm like, I haven't had the opportunity um, to go to Mardi Gras in Sydney. And I've watched it. It's massive. Um, but I think I love those when the, the community is close to you, going to those um, kind of events is just, it Priceless. fills you up. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Have you been to the mm. Queen's Ball? No, and I keep I think about it every single year, and I know it's coming up. It's the 60th, the Diamond mm. Jubilee, um, but I, I do vote every year, um, and it's it's such an amazing event. It's, you know, one of the longest running, yeah, um, the, long- the, 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 the longest the running for year. for queer people. Like, mm. and the, just the fact that they did that for 30 years underground. Mm. That yeah. it is really mind numbing that they did that and kept kept it going, kept it out That's of the. You know, you, you hear about the the police brutality mm. in those times, and and how far we've come, and it's just like the fact that they survived um, all of that is it is a, a credit. Yes. Um, so it's gonna, it's going to be a big one this year. Mm. I've I've heard we um it's this this Saturday. Sure, I can never get a ticket. Yep. 
tickets are impossible yeah. to get because it's it is the biggest and oldest one, and so everyone wants to attend. And yeah, they've just released another wave of tickets that I think. Sold yeah, out I think there. like upstairs, mm. and they're like, "Oh, we've got bar upstairs now." <laughs> like, yeah, it sold it, sold it instantly. So that's yeah, yeah instantly. Suddenly, yeah. the nineteenth of June, this this Saturday, um, and it's yeah, that's going to be. It'll Quite a, a spectacle, one. yeah. So if you're going, good luck to you. And even through COVID, they managed to keep it running. Good on them. Mm. Yeah. Was it virtual last yeah, year? Yeah, it was virtual last year. Virtual awards, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I think that's when Joel became a Hall of Fame inductee. Was it only only mm. last year, was it? Because... Um, mm. um, Don't quote me on yeah. that. Maybe. Well, we're <laughs> going to talk to him later on about um, about his experience at um, Queen's Ball. Was that... Mm. And being being a, a five time five times. artist of the year. That's my goodness. Fascinating. Yeah. Well look, you know, mm. he does great work. So Yeah. Mm. Um we had the, the privilege of seeing Showboys recently at the Show Power. Guys. Show Guys, whoops. Um and that that was great. But yeah, the Melt Festival was just that was wonderful. Um another a full celebration mm. of, of uh pride again. Now I don't know if because we saw you at Courtney Act very yes. briefly with yes. her amazing show, Fluid. Now, that wasn't part of the Melt Festival, but we have talked about that Fluid show a few times. It is brilliant. It was so poignant, mm. so well done. It's like a drag queen TED talk, yeah. which Basically, she said what herself. She said, yeah. What did you think about that? I think it was one of those things that, is really good to have those conversations. And it's really good to bring people along to that haven't had that experience because I like I, as much as I hate to say it, but when you're trying to introduce people to that space and they ha- don't have that experience, taking them to a drag show might be a bit confronting, go at, you know, yeah. Fluffies and, um, you know, at the Wickham, but going to something that it's a stage show and it's presented in a very digestible way is just so important because it, it it's one of those ways to start the conversation and you don't you want to make sure like you don't want to force people away because they're uncomfortable mm. yeah um but you still want to dip their toe in that being uncomfortable and not understanding and not knowing absolutely and i think the way that courtney puts across the ideas mm. of hetero flexibility yeah. which blew my mind mm-hmm. and gender fluidity yep. i really had a brilliant understanding mm. of it and you know we've been doing the show for a while i've been researching out- that those terms and everything yeah and still learnt so much and that's the beautiful power of art that we can go along and be entertained and learn a bunch of stuff mm. um at the same time that that show really yeah, ticked all those boxes. Yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Oh, it was just beautiful. How could you not enjoy it? Like, it was stunning. It was. And she's stunning. Well, Have, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Definitely. Without any hesitation mm. or doubt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're but, all agreeing about that then. <laughs> mm. No. Um, well, um, I think, do we have any other poignant things you want to pull up about pride before we spin on over to the next guest um i think just remember that pride isn't i think we've mentioned pride isn't just about being out there being colorful it's about existing and being present and um 
acknowledging your identity and um, working towards being comfortable with that because it's it, it's a fluid thing. We're all still learning. New terms are coming out every other day and that's great because sometimes you need other terms. So I think, you know, pride isn't just going to the events. Pride mm. is acknowledging your existence yes. and your being alive today in your authentic self. Yes. So well put. Yes. Thanks for joining us, Kelsey. It's Thank a you pleasure so much. having Absolute you on. We'll have to find Thank another so excuse much. to drag you back on again. <laughs> yes. Talk, Anytime. Talk about, More talk than about happy. Yeah. <laughs> You Absolutely. say that. <laughs> um, well, I think we might just go into our next guest. Let's jump straight in. Okay. So next up is our dear friend, Malika. Right here on Rambo Conversations on Bay FM. Searchlight on Bay FM 100.3. Connect with us by SMS on 0468 86 1003. And we're back on Searchlight Rainbow Conversations. Tonight we're talking all things pride. And we're joined by our next guest, the lovely Malika. Welcome to the show, Malika. Oh, hi there. How are you? Very well, very well. Thank you for joining us tonight. Um, on this lovely, light-hearted episode, we're talking pride. So the question we start with all of our guests here on Searchlight Rainbow Conversations is, who are you and how do you identify? Oh, it's an open-ended question, but let's start with the obvious. I'm Malika, a.k.a. Mimsy. Now, your listeners can Google that for a giggle. <laughs> but I'm a blower of glass. Uh, pleasantly plump, short but grounded. Clumsy glitter freak. And I feel like I've just read you my dating profile. So, you know, fingers crossed. <laughs> nice. <laughs> no, we um, we love um, all, all the aspects of the rainbow here. It's, it's a definite colour of awesomeness. Um, but to go back to your other question, I identify as a classy weirdo. <laughs> but seriously, um, I'm not one for labels or being put in boxes. It does depend on the box on occasion, but I mainly identify as a kind human, and that's what pride is to me, really, being proud of being who I am and the multifaceted madness that that covers. Nice. It's um, it's interesting to sort of, you know, move past the the need for the labels, and I, I love that we can just go, yeah, well, I'm I'm a person. and Well, to be honest with you, I think when you go through the list of all of the labels, and there are so many out there, and it's not to, you know, be negative about them, but I'd be henpecking from lots of them. And yep. if that means making up a different name, then so be it. But for the moment, I'm just me. Nice. And that's all you can be, really. So what, exactly what's the, what's right. the saying? Everyone else is taken, so just be yourself. 100%. So on the on the topic of pride, what... What are you proud of? What make what makes you feel pride, be proud, and all of that I goodness? We've kind of covered a little bit, but it's um, I'll definitely reiterate. I'm just proud to be kind and proud to be me, and proud to add my colours to the rainbow community and in whatever form that takes. Nice. That's what we need more of. Everyone just accepting everyone else. Most definitely, acceptance is key. And. I know for a fact that you've been to at least one Pride event because I, I drove you, or we, we both drove um, down to Mardi Gras for the 40th 
celebration of the Indeed we did. Sydney Mardi Gras. <laughs> I've done that before. Um. It was a an interesting trip. That's for sure. <laughs> it was. We had, it was nice uh, having a little group of us to um to celebrate celebrate Mardi Gras with. Well, the nice thing about that is knowing that we weren't just, you know, the only group of people driving down with millions of kilos of glitter packed in the boots and spandex and everything that goes with Mardi Gras. There are thousands upon thousands of other people doing the same thing, and that's what Mardi Gras is about. It, it is a bit of a like a a, um, a journey to come together and celebrate celebrate Pride. Um, and it, you know, we are going to speak a bit tonight about Mardi Gras because it is one of the world's leading Pride events. Um, it's absolutely amazing that we have that as well. And what was what was your highlight from from your trip to Mardi Gras? Oh, apart from you no, know, it's at the time I was just considered an ally, and to be able to go along and still participate and see the sea of glitter, sweat. Um, and just be part of the acceptance, love and pride. It was an experience I definitely won't forget. I was really hoping you were going to say the um, the bacon foam that I served on breakfast on the recovery day, but, you know, we'll we'll leave my cooking well, out of it. Know, I didn't know if we were branching <laughs> out into pride foods, but, you know, bacon is life to me. So Bake, Bacon pride. pride flag. Yep. Bacon pride. <laughs> <laughs> Always be proud of bacon. I mean... What little pearls of wisdom do you have about pride as a, as a umbrella topic? Um, pearls aren't always my forte, but one thing that twists my knickers and not even in a good way is corporations that try to jump on the pride platform for profit and end up blurring the true spirit associated with pride and the LGBTIQ plus community and by default pooping on the progression of it all. Yeah, and look, not to take away from the corporations that obviously do, um, you know, not su- at support, all, not at all. But I have noticed, you know, there's even uh, a lot of corporations do they slap rainbows on things and and go, yep, support us, and it's like they, it, it seems exactly sometimes right. it seems and like a cash in, yeah. With a, yeah, if it's not done with the proper passion and substance behind it, then I don't see the point. Well, and um, you, yeah, you can't support you can't support yeah no. LGBTQ or. You know, Support the rainbow for you know one month of the year, and then not look at it the rest of the year. I think is what um, no, I would sort of put on your fashion accessory. That's the whole point. Mm. You know, the rainbows are pretty, but there's meanings behind each colour in that rainbow. And I think on the, the very first episode right here on Rainbow Conversations, um, Bridget from the Brisbane Buy Network said that if you're going to be an ally, you're an ally. All of the time, there's no laughing at jokes when you don't think there's any and that's, that's rainbow exactly people in the right. room. That's, I guess... that's what I mean by it shouldn't be a fashion accessory. And some corporations turn it that way. I'm definitely not saying all of them, but for the ones that do it for profit, they kind of well, it's not kind of they do make it hard for the the true pride meaning coming out of other companies to get across properly. <laughs> yeah. Thanks so much for joining us tonight, Mimsy. That was um, always wonderful to get a different perspective on all of the topics we have here on Searchlight Rainbow Conversations.
Right. It's been an absolute pleasure, and thank you for having me and including me in um, spreading the word and keeping the rainbow alive. Searchlight Rainbow Conversations with Tony and Jasper on Bay FM 100.3. Welcome back to Rainbow Conversations here on Bay FM 100.3, the heart and the soul of the Bay. And please welcome to the program a dear friend who I've known for a while, let's not say number of years, <laughs> Brisbane-based photographer, producer, and a five-times winner of the Artist of the Year from the Brisbane Pride Festival's Queen Ball, Mr. Joel Devereaux. Hello. Thank you for having me. Oh, it is <laughs> a pleasure to have you on the program. It is a thrill to have you on the program. I feel like this is decades in the making. It is. Yeah. Literally. Yeah, I w- look, once again, I won't name things, but quite a while. Yeah. It's been it's <laughs> some time. a long time. Yes. And I really wanted to talk to you about the Pride episode because I feel like through your photography, through the shows that you produce, you help people express pride and help people feel pride within themselves because the photographs are amazing, to say the very least. But we always always start the... Uh, interviews by asking people how do you identify and uh, that can be as short or as long as you like to people can go quite into it so yes how do you identify and um also what does gay pride mean for you yeah i mean i consider myself um a a busy bisexual who just Love, loves to do projects, tasks, and involves a bunch of other people. Love for everyone. Let's do it. Um, yeah, I, I suppose I'm sometimes ill-considered in what in, in my positioning in things. I just get caught up in doing things rather than pondering about my actual position in a lot, which, if that makes sense. I yes. don't know. I feel like I'm ill-considered in so much of what I do, but I just don't have time to think about doing anything but actually just doing the thing. You're busy putting on the show instead of thinking what the audience is going to walk away. Exactly. Like, I I, I feel like, yeah, I don't really consider that a lot. Which is, like, good and bad. I feel like I should be more introspective. But, I don't know. Should I be? Who's telling me that? Maybe that's as far as I go into that. Um, Everyone has a different answer. And people seem to like it. Like, maybe if I'm becoming a massive failure and no one's coming to things that I do and being like, I hate your work. I'm like, well, maybe we'll have that conversation. But if it's not, it's not broken, I don't need to fix it. (laughs) This is true. And I feel like, especially through your um, photography, because you do all genders, all sizes, different shapes, different fetishes... It is a never-ending gallery of images you could use for a pride. Show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, pride season does kick up for me in regards to bookings. But yeah, I, I think working in in the scene here in Brisbane and how accessible we are to like getting things now, especially international performers coming here as well, and having that opportunity open up to us, and then us being exposed to more helps our local scene grow and everyone because we have quite a few limited stages here and stuff in Brisbane too. So people kind of work harder to be on them. So when you are being elevated to like a level that you're being pushed, I don't know, I think you raise yourself up by raising others up and it gets into a lot of that sometimes, which mm. is, I don't know, good for all of us. And I, we have a wonderful myriad of people to work with in the scene, you know? Yeah. There's a lot of glorious people in the scene. I love it. 
It you is. two included. <laughs> Yay! Yay! Well, it's um, not often you pick up a Q News and it's like, oh, it's it's not a Joel photo. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I've got, I like to go through this on magazines like this one and this one and this one. It's like that little bits of pride is like, oh, my work is of use, my work is of value. People are having fun with it and showcasing what they can do, and I have the capacity to give them that kind of thing mm. as a photographer. I like that what I can offer to people with my process like that. I think that's the thing that sells it for me and keeps me coming back. Well, that's definitely a way of, you know, working on other people's pride then by helping them. Yeah. And very people orientated. Like you'll notice a common theme in all of my work is people. And I think especially uh, entertaining people and their responses to different forms of entertainment or different things I haven't experienced necessarily before. And then pushing that to other people like, all my shows are a bit off the wall. Because people think I'm quite a serious person online when they see my photography, and then they come to a show, and they're surprised it's funny a lot it's of the time. Hy- it's hysterical. Yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah. Well, and we're, if, if people don't know your production side of your yeah. profession, you put on Rumble. Rumble. Which is Rumble. No, Rumble. We make jokes. Okay. Christmas is Rumble. Mother's Day is Mumble. <laughs> Brilliant. It's great. <laughs> Brilliant. But that's hosted by the Outpost Bar yes. here in the Valley. Yes. And that is monthly. That is monthly. Monthly. You've also just been um, done a great show, part of the Melt Festival at the Powerhouse. We sure have. Which was Show Guys, <laughs> a parody of the world's best, worst <laughs> movie. Showgirls. Showgirls. Nine Five. Yes, Paul Verhoeven's Showgirls, which we adore and... Uh, hate at the same time. We we love it for what it is. It cannot exist with being adored or hated. It has to be both. Yeah. And right. moving forward, and like because it's a very queer film. Like I think we go into it in the show of how we're saying um, it is a queer film because well, the main character Naomi uses her sexuality to like further herself and protect herself almost. And I think a lot yes. of queer people relate to that narrative. You know, we've had to kind of bunker down in that capacity. And so when doing it, we're like, oh, this is really queer. And when you gender bend it even more, it's a very gay show. It was delightful yeah. <laughs> show. And, it was fun to do. And especially because the gamut of people that we were there with. Some yeah. people had never seen it. Some people adored the film. Everyone loved it. And everyone walked away just <laughs> amped. Yeah, people were. People. I had a lot of people go, back, I need to like track this film down because they'd never seen it. And if I can share the magic of that mm. and having... It's, it's such a unique film and I'm glad that more people know about it now because it was uh, s- savaged at the time, ruined everyone's careers who was kind of in uh, the film and yeah. it's kind of nice to reclaim kind of that piece of yeah. something that's been informative to so many people in good or bad ways. Exactly. And when you've got the main actress and the director in a romantic Rel- yes. relationship, yes. there was a lot of substance abuse on set. Yeah, It was a... a for many terms, a snowball effect of weird, weird artistic choices. Yeah, and people, when you see interviews are talking about the film in 1995 and just before it's released, they're like, such a big role, this opportunity, and so grateful for it. Little do they know it would be the biggest bomb and they wouldn't be smiling or like being so grateful for the position. Yeah. The unsexiest film ever. Absolutely. It is not a sexy film at all. No. And it's weird to consider it that some people could consider it sexy. Like, we were trying to find, like, scenes of it online for, like, references because it's very hard. It's not on any streaming, Mm. hard to track down. But it was only hosted on porn sites. 
Which is oh, really no. weird. Oh. So, yeah. So, it's like, here we are in rehearsals trying to look at the pool scene and be like, this is what we need from it. And it's just on, like, porn sites. I'm like, this is not sexy. It's well, barely pornographic. I think it's the weird. pool scene in your production was far more entertaining than the actual film. Thank you. That's, that's all I'm going to say. the least sexiest, sexily intentioned fil- scene of the film. Yes. <laughs> the ball pit's great. All the balls are still in my car. And um, looking through... Because there is thousands of photos that you have on your Instagram, on the website. Mm. I had seen some of them. But looking through them just before we came here, you have photographed some of the biggest names on the queer scene. Amanda Lepore. If you don't know Amanda Lepore, please Google Amanda Lepore. Yes. Because it's far too long of a resume to go through. Mm Mm-hmm. Katya Zamolodchikova. Yes. Which is not a name that a lot of people... Can say. Can say. <laughs> Practice makes perfect. Miss yeah. um, Cracker. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was really fun. Um, lovely to work with. But when you... Yeah. Do you ever have that out-of-body moment where you think, wow, if I could go back 10 years and go, hey, Joel, yeah. in... Like you were going to be, you were going to photograph some of the biggest names. Yeah, it was. I, I, I was. Yeah, saying before, I think it's important to remind yourself, like, like ten, fifteen years ago, mm. where you are now and how happy you'd be. Like, I think the biggest person I photographed probably Paris Hilton. That was pretty big for me, and I love the simple life, so that was really fun. Um, but yeah, it's 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 me working as a photographer in like the club scene and stuff. Mm. Just lends itself to like these connections, and then what you can offer them when they're in town. Like, when they come to Brisbane, it's like after the madness of Sydney and Melbourne, like before that, they've got a bit of time here. And then once you shoot them, you meet them, and then if they want to do a shoot and stuff, like I'm open to that. And it's just kind of, it's good. And then just like having that practice of shooting every week and then becoming, honing your craft in so you can like know how to deal with these people who, are, they are celebrities, but they are there to do a job. So, and they're people. And they're not, like, I think when you're around a lot of fan culture like that, and you see what they deal with, especially with Trixie and Katya when they come, it's intense. It's a lot. Like, yeah. it's a lot. People don't understand when you have 200 meet and greeters right in front of you and each person is gushing, crying, telling. That's a... The emotional labour of that is intense. Even for me as a photographer who doesn't sit there and get people ready for photos. Even with Amanda, like, people coming up, fangirling, it's intense and it's a unique experience for people who have just no concept of that. It's interesting being around people who are, yeah, quite famous. And it, it kind of grounds you in a way. Like, they're just people. Mm. So, treating them like people and like a friend. I always say, be a friend, not a fan. And just Absolutely. treat them like anyone else. And, y- yeah, they're pretty chill. Everyone, mostly everyone I've worked with has been absolutely wonderful yeah. and lovely. Like, they're professionals. If they're getting booked here and toured, like, they're pretty professional and wonderful. But when you look at the list of people... Yeah. <laughs> Do you feel proud? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. A, it is a weird sense of pride. I, I I rarely get to review. I, I suppose I only do it when I need to update my website. I'm like, oh, who's 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 a someone that mm-hmm. looks kind of good on the advertising kind of point of view, which is bad. I'm not collecting people who are like self promotion, but like, yeah, it's, everyone's got to do self promotion at some. Yeah, time. I mean, if I I don't know, it's I like working with interesting people. Like celebrities are interesting people. And we have local celebrities who I love working with too. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I love entertainment, I love showbiz, and I just love, yeah, the people who make it work and are interesting and mm. especially aesthetically. Like Amanda is like iconic. 
and like mm. her collaborations with like David LaChapelle and stuff who have been so formative to my own photography career so that that was like a bit of a full circle moment excellent nice. yeah oh I just had a moment realising that this is probably a full circle moment it is oh it's a day for full circle it is it is <laughs> now okay well you not only have um been to many pride events around yes. the world and we'll get to that in a moment <laughs> yeah. But you're the official photographer for Fluffy. I am. So that's a weekly pride event. It is. It really is. Yeah. People get to wear what they want to wear. People get to dance how they want to dance. If the COVID restrictions allow people to dance, of course. Sometimes with a mask. Do you ever have a moment of you're just seeing someone perhaps being at Fluffy for the first time and they look around and they think... Oh, I think I've just come home. Yeah, I think uh, I think Fluffy, um, Harry Kane, I have worked together for many, many years now, and I think we make a pretty great team. Um, I think the the landscape of the scene has changed so much in the past ten years of why people go clubbing to um, well, the was like to meet people because we didn't like the dating apps weren't what they are now, and that has kind of taken away from people going out in nightlife and affecting mm-hmm. the hospitality industry, especially with lockout laws and all too, the stigma around them. Um, not the actual laws, because we don't actually have a lockout and stuff. It was a stigma around that the people were like, well, if I go out, I can't party or whatever. Yeah. So that kind of affected the club scene a little bit. So Fluffy has kind of shifted over the past few years to even a new venue now in Cloudland, where it's a lot more chill. And as someone who is getting older... Um, it's nice to have sit down, have a drink and that kind of thing, but also have the capacity to dance and be welcome and free. And like that Broad City quote, in the club, we are all fam. So I yes. think it's kind of, I mean, I would like to foster that kind of environment. I know some people have opinions about going out and clubbing and uh, events that um, how a lot of queer events are all very alcohol focused which is mindful, um, which can be mindful sometimes. Like, a lot of it is that. And you can still go to these events you, and not Absolutely, drink. totally, yeah. And which is the thing, like, I regularly do that to other events and stuff. You don't need to be drinking to have fun. Mm. But it's when you see people rock up to the club in, I think Crimson Coco is an amazing example of this, in, like, full traditional Filipino garb with, like, winning Starlet and all of that, and just having that embraced so widely. This community um, is just a good, good kind of, like, example of... How, how individual pride can be celebrated in, in a brand new space. You would, this would never have been possible even like 10 years ago and feeling comfortable to do that. And I think yes. these spaces like lend itself to that. Mm. Yeah. I really... We've met Crimson Coco once. Yay! She's hysterical. I'm desperately um, piecing together the next episode of Rainbow Conversations, which will be on the art of drag and... That performance she gave at mm. Starlet at Fluffy, yeah, the Filipino heritage, amazing. And you know, uh, yeah, I was judging that night, and just even navigating and uniting everyone's culture in a way I'd never really seen on stage before. It was just so clever, and how, yeah, just embracing, just really good and unique, and just powerful. It was really, really great. Pride, yeah. pride, feeling pride and proud, and making it your own. It's yeah, it's less about. Dancing to the latest mm-hmm. Ricky Lee song, but it can be. It but can be. also, yeah, we love you, Ricky Lee. Really. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and um, 
yeah, so I think, I don't know, I, I, as someone who kind of does their own version of whatever drag is meant to be, um, I think, because Brisbane is so out of the um, Sydney and Melbourne kind of spheres, like, I, I see a lot of people try and bring parties from Sydney and Melbourne up here and just really misunderstand what our scene is. Very drag focused. All of our events weekly have drag queens. It's very, very rare to, for us to have an event in Brisbane without queens. Which is great. We have many like full time working drag queens here. Yes, which is queer royalty. Yeah, you know, and they're held in such high regard. Like each event, you just have like queens on posters and stuff. You know, yes. and we have a, a a great group of like PSC talent and um, AFAB performers as well. I come from the burlesque scene originally, so like you know, I that's that's my background, and um, I love everyone involved with that. Yeah, so we have a big rainbow scene here, and I think we're often slept on. Um, I'm a massive Brisbane stan. I love living here. Um, and I think in the pandemic, it took <laughs> it took people from Sydney Melbourne to come up and be like, oh, it's actually great. And we have things going on. Like regular private events and everything all the time. And it's everything we do is so big and queer mm. and different to the offerings in other cities. And I like being a part of that. I really only know the Brisbane scene, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, I've only in Sydney and like, you know, Mardi Gras. Which yeah. is obviously like the most amped up it gets. It does. Yeah, people say like every weekend is Mardi Gras in Sydney, but sometimes well, we say leave that Sydney bullet at the door because <laughs> it can get a lot sometimes. Um, yeah, it, that can be a lot to deal with. Yeah. And then Melbourne is just, you know, like by nature, they're very spaced out, a lot of smaller stages and little communities and stuff, and they've all got their own thing going on. Whereas by design, Brisbane is like a central hub, and we have like smaller things going on, but like rare for things really to happen outside. 5k of the CBD kind of thing yeah They're just by design mm. where people live and stuff you know and then Sunshine Coast and Gold Coast have their own communities Sunny Coast different. pops off <laughs> it does like blush and up, up at peak and everything great things going on Queens all the time brilliant yeah in those spaces it's great and it's good to see it being embraced and like Flamingo and the Gold Coast you know you have a new yeah all these places that are well, we can little only, hubs we can only hope that the Redlands joins that yes well we have Wynnum Fringe now Yes. Thank you, Tom Oliver. Thank and you, Tom Oliver. So I think, yeah, look, it'll be, let's get mm. some queerness into that. If someone has never been to a Pride event, and you don't have to be gay to go to a Pride no. event. If you are proud of being who you are and you want to see other people yeah. express themselves being proud on who they are, yeah. I would like to know, because you've been to more Pride events than either of us, <laughs> probably put together working as well as you yeah. travel a lot you do photo shoots all over the place yeah i have what? a problem with that <laughs> <laughs> i can't travel anywhere without my camera it's bad this is true i'm very stressed <laughs> no you're not <laughs> <laughs> what are some of the best pride events that you've been to whether it being they're just very different from another okay. from the normal pride or um, some that have just, where you've walked away going, wow, I feel proud. That was amazing. They should be proud of that event. Yeah, I think, well, the big ones in Brisbane are Big Gay Day and stuff. Yes. Um, that's always a, yeah, it's always a fun night. Even like the after parties and all, that's where I seem to stick to because the big day is too huge and you get very dehydrated. I physically cannot do both. So yeah, a lot of like mm. seeing people who don't usually come out on a regular basis, but having a, a, an excuse in Big Gay Day or Brisbane Pride March and everything as well. 
um, down in Newfound Park. So seeing people who don't usually come out and during the day and stuff is kind of nice to see. They're really good. I like seeing local things happen. I did, um, yeah, I accidentally ended up in LA Pride that time. Um, accidentally. So accidentally <laughs> yeah. ended up in LA Pride? Yeah. I had to walk, okay. I was staying on Sunset in LA in 2017, and I had to walk down the road to the Shadow Marmont to see a friend for lunch, but the roads were closed. And I just had to walk through the Pride Bunch, which was great, and I felt proud, um, but it was strange, and good, and very long. <laughs> just walking through, like, LA, just like, in the Pride March, didn't plan for this, going to lunch. I hope yeah. you were dressed appropriately. No, I was wearing like off, like not walking shoes, black boots. And then we went out after, and then they had the full LA Pride ticket thing, which was just the, the energy similar to Mardi Gras, just like electric in the air. Like you don't actually have to do the actual event mm. by the ticket; you just have to be around that space, and you just like see it. Especially in LA, everyone's so like West Hollywood, very liberal, and seeing whatever like. Go-go dancers and stuff, like... I love of, of West all, Hollywood. All genders and stuff. It was just really... Yeah, me too. I love it. Oh. I love being there. I love feeling the feeling of it. I think it's just really great. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, DragCon, is that is that considered a Pride event? I'd say I it's mean, definitely a Pride, pride event. event. Yeah. I... Drag, drag Pride, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was a great experience. Was that LA DragCon? LA DragCon, yes. I imagine it's huge. Yeah, it is. It's really big. Um, we went... Ruby Silvers and I went in 2018 and had three days there and a really nice time and just seeing people and people you knew and just people from the internet who you wouldn't have really not met otherwise by Instagram. That was kind of a thing to make that connection be like, hi, I'm this person. Mm. Yeah. It's always weird seeing people um, in three dimensions. Really weird. Yeah. Forget how tall people are. It's like when you see celebrities, you forget how short they are or like how tall you just don't have any gauge on their height. Until you see them, like, oh, you're a tiny person. Yeah. 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 You forget how, like, average height most people are. And when you're, especially, like, I wear shoes and I'm not short either. So I'm like, oh, hello. Well, that's why I had to ask what you were wearing in LA Pride. Because it's either <laughs> yeah. going to be, like, full blue body paint. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with massive platforms yeah, and, and a cape. You know, I travel with those shoes too. So they were, like, my go-tos for a lot of it. So, yeah, like... Let's bring black cape down the LA Pride. I'm colourful enough. You don't have a colour thing for me, and then I can just do whatever. Yeah. Yeah, goth pride. Goth pride, neo goth, let's go. <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic. So upcoming events for you is probably people can get their photo, they can book you via yes, the website. I am bookable. I'm yeah, I was I'm booked to burst. I'm like, I can be booked and you can bless me with your presence. Um, yeah, via my website and everything. I am always JoelDevereaux.com. JoelDevereaux.com. Um, without even my Instagram as well, like all my portfolio and, and all of that, I'm always available for bookings, for events, portraits. I do a lot more work than what you see on my website and my social media. I think a lot of people can sometimes get confused with what I do. People are like, do you do headshots? I'm like, all the time. I just don't do weddings. You've done our headshots. Yeah, <laughs> I've done yours. Yeah, but you know what I mean? Like, I just feel like my Instagram is so... Th- that kind of avenue to get people interested in one particular aesthetic of my thing... And then everything else kind of comes together on websites and ac- my actual work and stuff. And mm. even with events and everything too. Yeah. So yeah, I can be hired for all kinds of events and stuff. And then um, on the production side, I do Rumble at the Outs- Outpost Bar once a month. Um, its handle is Hello Rumble. So if you Google tickets via Mosh Ticks, typically some are on sale for an event or, or, or two at, at any one time. 
Um, yeah, we're hosting Jojo Zaho of Drag Race Down Under fame. Um, next month, we're hosting Miss First Nations 2019 Chocolate Box. So looking forward to a Fab Originality special rumble, which will be camp, and I'm very excited for that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. We, unfortunately, because we both work Saturday mornings, we've yeah. never been to a rumble. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's a thing. Your mum keeps saying you've got to get to a rumble, Tony. I know. I know. My mother missed um, our show last night, which is the first one I think she's missed in years, almost. Uh, they've uh, seen more than me. They actually had at one point. I was away for one. And then they were there too, so they'd seen more rumbles than me. Wow. Which is great. Thank you for supportive parents. <laughs> well, knowing your parents, talk about having pride. They <laughs> yeah. are so proud of you. They are. They were so sitting next to us in show guys. I would have loved to have seen their faces during that whole thing because I don't know how they would have reacted because I don't, they didn't know it. Your mother had never seen it. She'd never seen it and she still hasn't. And I'm like, yeah. Shout out to Ruth and Gus Devereaux. Ruth and Gus Devereaux. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So yeah, they're fun. I'm very grateful for them. They're very good supporters and it's nice to see them at all my shows and everything. Yeah. Oh, they're brilliant. They're brilliant. And watching your mother's face during show, guys, was great. I, I, I'm very sad I missed out on that. <laughs> I, did, I did keep referring back. She's often part of the show to watch. Like, it rumbles. I just look over and see how she's responding. A litmus test. For L- the yes, the litmus test. <laughs> for Ruth Never. Um, I love that. And for anyone who missed show, guys, and we have kept yes, it up so yes. much, is there any possibility of it coming yes. back we, somehow? We have... When we were creating with the show with Miss Poodle, um, who's my main creative collaborator on it, who's an amazing performer, you should look them up too. She was the main star of the show. Yes. Um, yes. We had multiple people portraying the main character, but yes, Poodle portrayed Naomi Malone f- throughout the most of it. Um, also choreographed the entire show and just went above and beyond. Um, oh. Very talented. Um, yeah, a great person to work with. So yeah, we designed it with, we will keep it, like do a different version of it. Mm-hmm. We've even had ideas like... Um, uh, a friend of mine, Ruben Kay, who's a cabaret performer, thankfully like saw the show um, here, and he like came backstage and was like, "I loved it. This, this, and this, and had ideas just already off the bat." And even working on it with performers like Richie Lestrange and everything as well, who portrayed all of the men in the show, um, all the sleazy Vegas men. Even just like having ideas and workshopping it with them more because they have such a great theatre background. Um, ideas are flying, so and it was so well received. We need to do it again what that looks like, whether we do like a screening and then the show, like a double bill kind of thing. Oh, that would be amazing. I know. So that see what I mean? We it. only pay tribute to like really four and a half bits in the film. We have a lot more we can work with. Mm. We just need to navigate what that is. You know, like we didn't really have a Versace bit, a nails bit, a doggy chow bit. There's so much in this film. It's like a wealth of content, but how do we pay tribute to it in a way that's like still parody, but when you're parodying camp, you need to be mindful it was like intentional camp and accidental camp. They didn't come out being like, this film is so camp. They were like, we are making a serious film. And then it became camp. Like, Carl McLaughlin said that everyone on set thought that they were making a very psycho melodrama yeah. thriller. Yeah. It's a lot like that. 100% camp is yeah. what they actually yeah. made. And it's like the documentary about the film, uh, You Don't Know Me, goes into like, it has like a mummy dearest complex where... It would just get caught up in itself and end up in this like camp cult masterpiece. And it's it is that. So I think yeah, we need to bring it back. It will happen. I've got all those balls I need to do something with. It's true. <laughs> and they they can't go to waste. And 
so yeah, it will come back. I just need to navigate what that is right now. But yeah. I'm, I'm just imagining some sort of sequel parody of Magic Mike called Tragic Mike. People, yeah, people have been going like, what else could you parody? And like having this in that kind of, I don't know, it was kind of a unique show in the sense that our dance crew was so amazing and like so technical. Like one of our dancers got flown to Cyprus the next day on a contract because they are, of course, just talented and booked around the world. And so when we, we could get away with being stupid and silly in ways once you get like the technical side down like Mm. okay you can actually dance great now we can get done with it yeah which is kind of the only way to do it i think in this thing because it is dumb and it's silly and it's meant it's like entertainment is like the goal of this yes which is i don't know it seems to be entertaining it's Mm. for your audience and i think it was a tribute to that and i really liked having a show that was structured and meant to be the same because rumbles are like you align the elements and then you have a whole new cast every time. You don't know how it's going to go. And that's yeah. part of the magic. But having an actual production where it's like, this is how the show is meant to look in its perfect form. And that won't change. It's, it's kind of nice having that as something I can revisit and like stage elsewhere and stuff. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's been very enlightening. Love to be here. Oh, and look, let's work out another episode that you can come and do great anytime excellent sign me up (laughs) what do you want to talk about oh we'll we'll come up with something don't you worry I'll think too don't you have to do a burlesque episode oh yeah brilliant yeah let's do that do some great amazing burlesques in Brisbane too excellent part of a great scene come and support them (laughs) and we'll be right back on Bay FM 100.3 Searchlight Rainbow Conversations with Tony and Jasper on Bay FM 100.3. And you're on Searchlight Rainbow Conversations on Bay FM 100.3, the heart and the soul of the Bay. How great was that interview with Joel? Just amazing. Um, we were so lucky to get him. He is a very, very busy person. Yeah, he had a, a small window of time and we were very, very lucky to sit down with him. And... Um, Look, we're learning how to do uh, interviews on the road, mm. pre-records. So it's always, you know, you're dealing with acoustics and everything, but look, it happens. Look, the content's there. That's all that matters. Yes. And um, a quick shout out as well, because I hear that there's some listening parties happening. Um, apparently there's a pretty big listening party happening tonight up in Darwin. And so, hello to anyone streaming up there, listening along. We appreciate you. Thank you very much. Happy Pride Month. Yeah. To everyone listening. It's always very important. Just happy Pride Month. Look, it's um, about the end of the program now, so we're just going to do the Rainbow Roundup, where we just chat about a few things that are coming up or happening around the area. Um, The Queen's Ball is this... Saturday, I think tickets are sold out. So if you haven't got one, like we haven't, then too bad. But it's going to be a big one. It is the 60th anniversary uh, with all the awards going out there. So check it out if you can. Um, with the Pride Month going on, there's a bunch of different events being held by Open Doors Youth Services. Um, you can check out their website, Open Doors um dot org and they've got oh there's a pride art therapy aimed at um kids aged between 12 and 24 um young and proud 
um, a social event um, aged for people 18 to 24, and they've got a multicultural pride event um, coming up at the end of the month, aged for, again, um, uh, people from multicultural backgrounds in the LGBTQIP plus community, aged 12 to 24. So go check them out. Um, there's a really amazing um, rainbow artist at Goma at the moment, William Yang, um, with his photography and films. Um, it's on until the 22nd of August. We're going to go check that out, Tony. Yes, I'm, we are. I'm, I've been told by several people that that's worth doing. Um, the Adelaide Cabaret Festival is on at the moment, and though it's not an exclusive rainbow event, they do have Alan coming. Uh, performing at the moment and that's on right now up until the 26th of this month um it so was so good to see him out. a few years ago it really was and the out and out and proud festival 2021 is on at king's beach caloundra on june the 19th from 11 a.m till 9 p.m that's 35 dollars for early bird tickets and alan cumming is actually coming to brisbane yes he'll be here on the 30th of june yes at the Lyric Theatre. Yes. Tickets from 80 bucks to 100 bucks. So check that out. And um, I think that's about it for the Rainbow Roundup. There's so many things happening. Yes. Um, well, there's the yeah, World Pride coming up later this year as well, which I, Kelsey told us about. I didn't know that existed. And then in two years' time, it'll be held in Sydney. So that'll be fun. Um, something, Put that on the calendar. Different. Yeah, it's, it's a while away. Yeah. Um, so we can leave you with a very inspirational quote that I got um, forwarded from Jane Hopkins from PFLAG. Um, it's from Alexander Leon, who's a writer, campaigner for LGBTQ rights, anti-racism and mental health. Um, and he's got a little quote about pride that I think we'll round up the program with. You got anything else to throw at us before we... Well, just... Um you know, the things we've discussed this evening are always going to be, uh, the information will be on the website with the podcast, bayfm.org.au, where you can find all of the previous episodes of Rainbow Conversations. Yeah, you click on more, go down to search like Rainbow Conversations, and they're all there. They're we put all, as much information in the description as we can. They're all there. Links and phone numbers. And we gave all of Joel's information at the end of his interview, joeldevereaux.com, um, you know, his... Every week at Cloudland at Fluffy, um, I think he does everything except weddings. I think he says. everything except yeah. weddings. Yes, the brilliant Joel Devereaux. That was so lovely to get that interview. Mm. Yeah, but no, I'm looking forward to this quote. Okay, hit me with it. Queer people don't grow up as ourselves. We grow up playing a version of ourselves that sacrifices authenticity to minimise humiliation and prejudice. The massive task of our adult lives is to unpick what parts of ourselves are truly us and what parts we've created to protect us. It's a massive and existential and difficult, but it, I'm convinced that being confronted with what you need for profound self-discovery is so explicitly and often early in life is such a gift in disguise. We come out the other end wiser and truer to ourselves. Some hiss cis-het people will never get this. All of this to say, be kind to yourself. Discovering who you really are is an enormous task and doesn't happen overnight. 
nor does it happen without some hiccups along the way. Be patient, be compassionate, be vulnerable, and exist loudly. But most of all, be proud. And I'll just add another quote on the end. Just be yourself, because everyone else is taken. I heard that as a kid and it blew my mind. Hmm. Well, that's it. Thanks for joining us on Searchlight Rainbow Conversations. I've been Jazz. And I've been Tony. And we will see you next month for our Art of Drag episode. That'll be fun. Coincidentally, strangely enough, it'll probably be around the finale of RuPaul's Drag Race Down Under. We did not plan that at all. Not at all. We, we locked that in back in January. Well, rounds it up. A song to take us away? Yes. Well, Sister Sledge, what a classic. We are family. That's the whole point of being proud. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. And we will sh- see you next month. You're on Bay FM 100.3. Searchlight Rainbow Conversations with Tony and Jasper on Bay FM 100.3.